0: So we're going to go back to Psalm 23. I'm on vacation, but I'm here because we are supposed to have a special guest preacher tonight, but he's down. So I'm here tonight preaching to you. So um, we're going to do part two of Psalm 23. And if you turn with me to Psalm 23, it's easy to find. It's the 23rd Psalm in the book of Psalms. Stand with me for the reading of the word. I'll tell you, if you don't have it memorized, it's a great psalm to memorize. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And Father, I pray this night that, Lord God, this psalm would live in our hearts. It has brought, Lord, peace. It has brought joy. Lord, it has brought comfort to millions and millions of people over the course of these last 3,000 years. Father God, it has brought great joy to me, and I pray, Lord God, that again it would live in the hearts of all, Lord God, who are here with us tonight, and that, Father God, you would do that work in them. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So like I said to you last week, I've read read Psalm 23 thousands of times. Uh, I have preached on it multiple times. I've taught on it in Bible studies, and uh, I've read numerous sermons on it, uh, some of the best by people like Charles Spurgeon. John MacArthur's got some good ones and I can just say this that as I've done that through the years it never grows old and that's the beauty of the word of god the word of god never grows old it's it's new every morning when i come to it and Psalm 23 it's the song of all songs it's really the greatest song that has ever been written it's uh, there have been more people who have you know who have sang it um, to music and um than any other song in history. It's, it's a, an, just an incredible song, an incredible psalm. So we started last week, we talked about, and we basically went through the first part of the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. And I talked about how it's personal, it's relational, it's my shepherd. And that, and that is what God offers to us, a personal relationship with him. Really, if, if, without this, the rest of the psalm really becomes meaningless. To have that relationship with him, to be walking with him daily, to be experiencing his love and his grace, That's the, you know, it's the essence of the Christian life. It goes on, and I shall not want, and we talked about, again, the Lord as our provider. That he is there to meet our needs. And it's a beautiful thing to come into that relationship with him where he is your shepherd and he is your provider, and you're not running around, like as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, like the Gentiles, freaking out and worrying all the time. In fact, you look at, you know, just if you watch the media, they just, again, they just play on fear. And tonight, I mean, the inflation thing, right? Inflation, 9.1%. And, again, they're just playing on fear. You know, the average family, it's going to cost them $500 more a month to be able to put food on the table and pay for gas. And, again, you know, that's the world. That's how the world deals with things. That's how the world deals with fear. In fact, there was a commercial I saw in New York City. This is, it was a commercial about if there's a nuclear attack on New York. Did you see that? And um, there's a woman... And she's, um, she's there and she's saying, well, if there's a nuclear attack, this is what you have to do. You have to get in your house. And then number two, point number two, don't come out. And then point number three, watch the media. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, what, what is it just scaring the heck out of everybody? And you don't need to go and watch the media to do that. I'll do that for you when I preach on prophecy here. <laughs> no, just, it's, just, it's just crazy. And again, what is people? Everybody, everybody. I mean, people are freaking out. Have you seen the, the people? This world, okay, this nation. People are freaking out. And again, there's just such unrest. There, there's anxiety, and there's stress, and there's angst, and they're just in a place of, of worry and anger and fear. And again, when we come into relationship with God, the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He loves us. And the Gentiles run after all those things, the, the unbelievers. You know, that's what it was saying. He was talking to, to the Jewish people when he said that. But those in relationship with him, we should be in a place of peace. goes on and it says, the Lord my rest. Psalm uh, 23, verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He brings us to a place of rest. And boy, you know, still waters, right? Green pastures, it's, it, it, it's a place where we can rest. It's a place where we're, you know, we don't need to be afraid in his presence. Goes on, uh, the Lord, my leader, and we talked about he leads me beside still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his sake. He is our God, and he gives to us the Holy Spirit, his spirit, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of Christ to lead us. And then we looked at the, the last thing we looked at was the Lord, my restorer. He restores my soul. And um, as I was saying, you know, right, you get beat up in this world, right? You, can, you you go out there, you get drained, right? You get sometimes wounded, you know. You get you get hurt, uh, you get tired, you get weary, you know. You get burned out. And when we come to Him every day, He will restore your soul. He will restore. Not only your soul, he'll restore your body and he'll restore your spirit. You know, man is a man is a trichotomy of body, soul, and spirit. And he'll restore those things when you get, and you need that because if not, you burn out. You burn out. You, you know, you become just less and less energized, less and less enthusiastic. You become just more and more frustrated. I'm echoing, right? And, uh, Am I echoing, echoing, echoing? I'm not echoing, echoing, echoing. I'm getting some. I was getting some feedback here. So let's let's go on here. So we come to the sixth point, and that is the Lord my protector. In verse four, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. So I'll give you a little shepherd, again, a shepherd's look at at Psalm 23, or the sheep's look at Psalm 23. The rod, um, essentially was a club that the shepherd would carry, and we all know what the staff is. The rod is is essentially, they would use it to strike wolves or or lions when they would attack. In fact, a, a shepherd would become very proficient in taking that rod and being able to throw it at the head of the wolf and smacking him on top of the head, and it would it could ward him off. The staff was more of a um, a tool to protect the sheep. you get, get a great picture here, there of this, you know, the rod being thrown and hitting the wolf on the head. The staff, you know, sheep, sheep, are kind of dumb. It's right? something we we're, we're compared to sheep. You look at history. You study human history. You look at people we've really done some really stupid things. And we're repeating them right now. You know, it's just, uh, you know, Jesus compared us to sheep. The scriptures compare us to sheep. The, the staff, okay, again, was for protection. The, the, um, I'm sorry, the, the rod was for, um, was for uh, protection, the staff, to pull the sheep in times of danger, maybe getting near the thicket or getting into the thicket, he could pull it out. Getting close to the cliff, he could pull it out. So one was used, again, for protection. The other one was used, essentially, for comfort. Now, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the most feared thing of human existence. And you know what it is? People are more afraid of their loved ones dying than of themselves dying. When you look at psychological studies, people are more, they're more afraid of someone that they love Dying than they are of, of, of dying themselves, but it's it, it is the you know the ultimate um, human fear. Billy Graham, uh, he wrote a book on uh, called Death. I know some of you remember that. It didn't sell well, so he, he the book was a it was a black. I thought I thought I threw it into my. I thought I threw... Oh, yeah, I did. I did. I threw it into my notes. So, you know, here's, again, a picture. We walk... We all have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? So Billy Graham wrote this book. It it was called Facing Death. And um, the sales were absolutely horrible. And then they changed the cover. And when they changed the cover, they put a sunset on it. And they sold a whole lot of copies, (laughs) But you just said, talking about death, death is not something that, right, that people enjoy. I'll tell you, I do funerals. I don't enjoy doing funerals. I get a chance to share the gospel. But it's, it's not, you know, oh, great, I got a funeral to do today. It's not something that, that, that you enjoy. Yet it's something that we all must go through and experience traveling through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, unless unless the rapture happens, we're all going to have that experience. And there are only two since, right, the beginning of creation, who have not experienced death. Who are they? Elijah, Elijah and Enoch, who are likely the two witnesses who are going to come back in Revelation chapter 11 and have to die. Gloria disagrees with me with that. She thinks it's Moses. So Moses is going to die double time. He's going to die double death, double death. So <laughs> So so again, yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And here's here's the key thing. Right? Look look at those those last five words, why for you are with me. But you should underline that. I've watched a lot of people die I've watched and done funerals for believers and unbelievers. I've been in the hospitals when people have breathed, you know, they've, they breathe their last breath. And I've watched believers die and unbelievers die, and there is a difference. Also, there's a huge difference with their families. There's a huge difference with their family members. When the family members essentially have known Jesus, there's a tremendous amount of, Of comfort in knowing that their loved one is with the Lord as compared to families that don't know Jesus and their relative, even if they knew Jesus, there's still this this stress and this anxiety and this fear that, that happens. I grew up in a Roman Catholic family, and we're not a religious Roman Catholic family. My grandfather, my grandfather who, by the way, took me to church, he was the one person who went to church in the family. And um, when I was a little kid, I'd go out to Staten Island and spend my summers out there with him. They had a, a home not far from the beach. I'd fish, you know, my brother and I would fish on the, the pier and uh, swim in the, you know, in the ocean. And my um, grandfather on Saturday night would take us to this little, it was like this little Roman Catholic chapel down in, uh, in, in Staten Island. And, um, you know, we'd, we'd go to church. Well, when my grandfather died... The funeral they, they, they had a wake for five days, and then the funeral on the sixth day. and it was I mean it, it's Italian funeral. So here's my experience. My mother went, okay, her, this was her father, and then my father took the three kids, me and my two, my brother and sister, to Staten Island. We get to the funeral home and we go in, and I don't want to go you know, my, there's the, the open casket right It's, it's like like three days later, and um, they're just screaming, crying. And um, my grandfather's name was Frank, so I was named after him. So I said, Dad, I ain't going up there. I'm a little kid, by the way. I'm like that's like twelve years old. And my father said to me, You're going up there. Because you go up and you show your respects to your mother and your grandmother. So he stood behind me and kind of like did this with me and I'm just trembling. I've not experienced death before. This is my first experience of death. Besides my hamster and my snakes when, when they died. So um, he he brings me up, and when my grandmother sees me, again, my name is Frank. Grandpa was named Frank. She starts screaming, which then causes all the other, you know... And you see, like, when when Jesus talked about the mourners, the paid... I mean, this is what this is like. All these women in black, old Italian women, and crying and screaming and speaking in Italian or unknown tongues. I don't know what they were speaking in. And um, so... My father says, you know, you gotta, you know, I had to kneel down. So then I get up, and he goes, go over and say something to grand. My grandmother, my grandmother, who was about four feet tall, I mean, maybe four foot eight. She had biceps that were bigger than mine when I was a competitive bodybuilder, right? My my wife remembers. She grabs me, and she pulls me into her bosom. She got all the perfume on, right? You know the they, they perfume? You know you're Maria. You're Italian. And she's pulling me into her bosom. I'm smothering. And I'm like freaking out. And she's going, oh, Frankie, Frankie, Frankie. And I, I, I'll tell you, once I got free, I didn't say hello to my mother. I ran to the back of that hall. That, 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 that I didn't come anywhere near that coffin for the next couple of days. At the cemetery, my uncle jumped, he's like right before they they took the the coffin, he's like jumping into the coffin, and then he tried to jump into the ground when they lowered the coffin. So this is my experience of death is a horrible thing. This is is death. It's a horrible, horrible thing. I became a Christian when I was 23. A brother in the church died. I go to the funeral. There were people crying. His, his wife was crying. Uh, but there was a joy. There was a joy in that church that was very different than what I had experienced amongst my relatives. And I'm not saying that's true of all Roman Catholics. That was the experience that we had as Roman Catholics at that time. But there was a joy. And I, you know, since then, I've done, I've done many, many funerals and there is a huge difference between believers and unbelievers, folks. You see that, right? You've been, you know, you've been here. Even when young people die, when when Pedro, I mean, that was a, a, Pedro died of COVID. Freddie's best friend, and um, he left his wife Tammy and four little kids. Know, that's about as bad as it gets. But yet. There was joy at that funeral. So it's like when when Paul says to live is Christ, to die is gain, you know, it's better for me, he said, to go to be with the Lord, but it's better for you that I stay and and minister. It would have been far better for Pedro to stay and it would have been better for Tam and the kids and for his church. But he's with the Lord in glory. We don't understand all of this, by the way, and we don't try to. But there there was, again, a, a joy in that. And I think that, again, how how do we come to that place? Because we've come to know him, and we know that he's with us. We know that he loves us. We know that a loved one goes to be with him when they die, to a far, far greater place, a far greater experience. And I think that's where, again, there's comfort and there's no fear. But, you know, the only way that comes, you have to know him. And walk with him. So you know, just the key thing in the in, in the psalm, you know, when we are close to Jesus, we're safe. the 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 wolves are not going to attack the sheep that are at the feet of the shepherd. So we need to walk really close to the shepherd because this world we live in, right? I said it on, on Sunday. It's a battlefield. It's not. A, it's not a playground. It's a. Ba- it's a battleground. So when we're when we're at the the feet of the shepherd, we are safe and we are secure. And we build that relationship. By the way, when we wander from the feet of the shepherd, we can become vulnerable. We could put ourselves in harm's way and put ourselves in danger. When we're when we're close to the shepherd, right? And and this is something, this is something you cultivate. I cultivate my intimacy and my awareness of his presence every day and that is you know that is something that, that that you you know that you do and by the way you're cultivating yourself every day you know that you're cultivating your mind you're cultivating your soul you're cultivating your spirit you're cultivating your you know your life every day and by the way that's either for the good or for the bad you're 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 forging your attitudes, your, you know, thinking processes, your emotions, by what you expose yourself to, by the people you allow to speak into your life, by the things that you do. So you're, you're, you're cultivating like a garden. Like, you know, uh, I mean, one of the greatest lessons I've had in my life was gardening. I'm serious. I think I learned, I learned more about garden, about, about pastoring from gardening than I did in six years of Bible college and seminary. I'm, I'm 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 I learned so much about planting, and then watering and weeding, right? Protecting the plants from the gophers and the bugs, right? And the weeds and the diligence that you have to put into a garden to make it grow. And I, I, learned, I you know I learned a lot, but that's us. We have, to, we have to cultivate, we have to plant, we have to water, we have to weed. We have to protect our, our, again, our spirit, souls, minds from the weeds, from the gophers. But when you're cultivating, you're cultivating that relationship with God every day through Jesus, right? You're walking with Him. You know, you sit, you sit at His feet. You know, you're coming to him like, like Mary, right? Mary and Martha. Mary, Martha is busy doing all these things, and Mary is sitting at his feet. Martha's complaining, why doesn't she get up and, you know, help me? And Jesus said, what she has chosen to do is better than what you have chosen to do. She's chosen the better thing. Spending time with him in worship, in prayer, in his word. And you cultivate, you're cultivating that, you know, presence. I said this to you, there are two things. Just two things that, that I focus on in my Christian walk every day. You're going to learn these two things. One is my power hour with God, and that's every morning. And, and that, is un, you know, that is something I will not compromise on. And, it's, and it's, it's not an hour. It could be far more than an hour. It could be two hours. Sometimes it's three hours, depending on. And I thank you for you know, giving me the opportunity to be a pastor. I have the opportunity to do that, and I have to get up and run off, you know, run off to work. But my time with God alone, and then the second is practicing in the presence of God and just cultivating an awareness that I I frequently fail at, I get distracted. Amazingly, I could be preparing a sermon, be deeply in the word of God, be studying and doing all the preacher things, the hermeneutics and the exposition, right, studying the historical background, looking at the, the grammar and looking at, you know, the Greek and the Hebrew and all these things and forget that God is there with me. <laughs> so how easy is it to do when you're doing all these other things, right? So I, but I, I, I strive to, to experience his presence, so when you when you when you're doing that again, and he's you know he's there. You're experiencing his love. You're experiencing him carrying you, right? He carries us through the darkest times, carries us through our times of night. He carries us through our times of trial and tribulation and storms. When you come and again are cultivating cultivating that relationship, you come to know him better and better. In fact, I can say this. I know Jesus better than I know of anybody in my life. I know Jesus better than I know my wife Sue or my kids. I know Jesus better than I know myself. Right? We, we're not always sure about ourselves. Right? Sometimes we, we, we think maybe we're a little bit better than we actually are, and we don't really always know ourselves, but we can know him. Because he's the same yesterday, today and forever, and he's given us this beautiful revelation of himself. So when, when we are coming again to, to know him, and, and this is a beautiful thing, you, you come, maybe you walk into a church like this for the first time, and you cultivate an opinion about Jesus. And um, you may feel very strong. We don't people argue about opinions. You see a lot of people arguing about their opinions right now. But then as you cultivate that relationship with him, that opinion solidifies and becomes a belief. And as you cultivate a deeper belief in relationship with him, that belief becomes a certitude. Certitude is, a, is, is kind of a belief on steroids. You become certain. I, I, I say this to you. I have never doubted Jesus in 40 years. I've, ne- I've never doubted him. I've never doubted who he is, that he is, he is God, that he is the Savior, that he is the Messiah, that he is the creator, that he is the second person of the you know, the Godhead. I've never, I've never doubted that he died on, for me on the cross and that death on the cross is my way of salvation, my only way of salvation. I never doubted that he has been raised from the dead and I've never doubted his words I've doubted myself, I've doubted people, I've doubted people in the church, doubted people in my life. But that's, again, how do you come to that place? And I'm I'm, I'm not here to that I'm somehow superior to anybody with that or, or, or special. All I can tell you is the only way I know that I came to that place was just cultivating that relationship with him and him just every day revealing himself Uh, To me. By the way, understand? Have I ever have I been disappointed in this life? Many, many times. Have have there been times where I prayed and He didn't answer my prayer? Many many times didn't you know go the way? By the way, He always answers it. Just didn't answer the way I wanted. But the one thing I, I can tell you is who He is and and what He's done. I have never doubted Him, and I think that that again that comes from that relationship. So there there can come a deep certainty. Of knowing him, his love, his uh, peace, his presence, his faithfulness. That can come. And then what happens now, you come to death's door. Now it's time to walk through the valley of shadow of death. Guess what? You know that he is with you. And that he's going to walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. And there isn't you know, the fear, the terror. There is comfort. And again, I can say this as I have, I have watched many through the years die. Those who have had this relationship with him have gone through with comfort and without fear. There might be still some unknown there, <laughs> right? There might be still some unknown, but they know he's with them my father, who wasn't, my father was not a spiritual giant. And um, towards the, the last days of his life, he's in bed. And he, he, he looks up. My father had really bad dementia. He was, you know, he didn't even know sometimes who I was. But, I don't know, God gave it to us maybe as a great word of comfort. He looks up at the, at the ceiling. I'm, I'm, my brother and I are there. My brother's not a believer. And um, he says, he says, look the the ceiling is open and there are clouds coming towards me clouds he saw white things all i know is i interpret the clouds is right that's the presence of the lord the heavenly host and he goes he and he, he was like excited like a little kid looking like i want to go in there and he died he died a couple of days later but there was again something there that was you know, was unique. And I felt like God gave that maybe more for us than for him. So we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and maybe we all will one day. Hopefully, maybe the rapture happens. But if not, we can go through with comfort and without fear. All right, number seven, the Lord my victory. I'll move a little bit quicker right now. So verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's talking about a victor's table. Oh, buffet. How many of you like buffets? Just you and me, Gloria. Nobody else likes buffets? Isn't that how you say it, a buffet? I love buffets. Remember the international dinner? You got a giant pig on the table. You, I mean, this, this church has so many different nationalities. Chinese food, Japanese food, Indonesian food, Malaysian food, food from all over South America, Europe, right? It's just a great, it's a, it's a great, a buffet. That's really what the picture is. The Lord sets out for us a buffet in the presence of our enemies. The picture is the enemy is looking on as the sheep are feasting at the feet of the shepherd. I don't know if you've ever had this experience in your life, but there have been times um, through the years where there have been people have come here, and they've opposed my ministry. And um, I think they would have really liked that the church failed, that the ministry failed. And God continued to bless us and bless us and bless us. And it's kind of like, I think, they're they're there looking on like like wolves, wishing that, boy, you know, why is this ministry succeeding? Why is this guy still in the pulpit? And yet, God presented a buffet for me while I'm feasting, right? The wolves are looking on and staring. Number eight, uh, the Lord, my anointer, verse five, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. I'll give you a little bit of, uh, again, history on this. The oil essentially did three things. It was essentially there as an antiseptic. It was there to heal um, any wounds on the head of the sheep, and um, it was there for cuts. I'm going to give you bugs, butts, cuts. I could preach a message just on, uh, on this. I'm going to call it bugs, butts, and cuts. So bugs, bugs would infest in the sheep's ears, in the sheep's eyes. You know what? I got a bug up my nose a couple of weeks ago, and I, got a, I had an infection. I was I was working out. I was working out in my backyard, and uh, I kind of you know when you get a bunch of gnats, I kind of went in, and the gnats. And I'm I've had this happen so many times with you know running and stuff. But a gnat went up my nose It got infected, and I had a I had an infection. I got like a little sore throat from it. But um, essentially, bugs would get into their ears and their eyes, so they would put this oil on the sheep as an antiseptic to keep the bugs from essentially going into the ears, going into the eyes, uh, the nose, and the mouth. And if they were not anointed, uh, essentially what would happen is they could get really infected, and then the sheep would die. Another thing is the idea of butts. The sheep, they they butt into one another, and um, they essentially will, will injure their head. And what, again, they would use the oil as a soothing and a healing oil... For the times that they were butting into one another, and then cuts, they're out in the you know the wilderness. You got you've got thickets, you've got rocks, you got barbed wire today, and um, they get cut up. So again, the oil was there to heal their wounds. That's the the purpose of the oil. Now anointing, right? What is our anointing? You look at First um, John chapter two twenty seven. As for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Well, what is that anointing talking about? Who is it? It's the Spirit. You know, the the Spirit protects us from infection, the infection of sin, the infection of the world. It, the Spirit anoints us to heal us of our wounds, right? We get hurt, right? We get injured. You know, we're, we're, we're out there, things, you know, things don't always go the way we want. Our careers don't always go the way things. Relationships don't always go the way that we want. Ministry doesn't know. Have any of you experienced that, or am I the only one? And he comes, and again, he heals us through his anointing. And he heals our, our wounds, our cuts, our butts. <laughs> he heals us. Verse, uh, the next uh, is the Lord, my blessing, and um, I'll wrap up here tonight with this. And it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Blessings will follow us. His goodness and his mercy. Have you, have you discovered that his mercy as a believer follows you? It has followed me for 40 years. Mercy. Mercy. I'm unworthy of it. You know, his mercy is ever proven to me of his long-suffering. How long-suffering? you ever have a child who drives you nuts? I see some parents. We've had parents here. Kid has a drug problem. Kid has an alcohol problem. Had a woman one time in our church. She came to me and she cried with me up in my office and told me about her son who was stealing from her. He had um, drug addiction and gambling addiction. And basically, it took you know, all her money away. And, and I looked at her and I said, how old is the boy? And she said, he's 42 years old. And I said, you need to throw him out. And if you won't, I'll come over. And I'll throw him out. But she just caused such tremendous pain. And he caused such tremendous pain in this woman. You know what? We grieve God. You've done things, I've done things we know we should not do. Things that, you know, maybe we have thought, things we have said, things that we have done. We, we, we At times, we, we've hurt God, but yet his long-suffering and his mercy is new to us every morning. We struggle, we struggle with, you know, the lower nature, we struggle with sin, and yet he's always there with his arms open, offering us forgiveness, offering us mercy, and offering us grace. And again, his goodness and his mercy, they, follow me all, they have followed me all the days of my life. His goodness and mercy are far, far, far greater and beyond my faith and obedience. And that is, that is absolutely true. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You are the house of the Lord, and he dwells in you. So let's just bow our heads. We'll close. I'll close in prayer. The worship team will come up. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for Psalm 23. And again, Father, just trying to add maybe a little light, a little glimmer, Lord God, onto this incredible word from you. And, Father, I just truly pray that everybody here tonight would just take Psalm 23, memorize it, Lord God. They'll have it there, Lord, just in their their library of their brain. Whenever, Lord God, when things get tough, when trials come, or, Lord God, just on the times of just blessing, that they will just speak that psalm out to you, Lord, and that it would live in their hearts and their minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.
1: is found is where you are my song to rise to you when temptation comes loud when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope. My righteousness, oh God, how I need You! My one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need You! Oh yes, Lord, we need You dead without you and you've given us life a new life in Christ praise your holy name Lord God I pray your blessing upon this body here Lord and those beyond these walls Father that hear your truth and have heard your truth tonight Lord God Father may we together Lord as one body celebrate you and continue to keep our eyes fixed upon you as we go day to day Lord Being your hands and feet responding to your call upon our hearts to serve and love one another and to share your gospel. Lord, until we see you face to face, we do long to see you, Lord. But we will serve, Lord, with all our hearts. We just pray for continued leading and empowering to do so, that you may be honored today, Lord, and always. In Jesus' name we pray.